Make it back to Sydney. Sit down for Christmas dinner, watch some ball with my old man, sleep in my old bed, have leftovers for about six months, eat some of that Christmas turkey, and listen to my favorite podcast, The Pick. And we are your hosts, John Otney, Colin Westman, and Sean Lemmy. I can't buy that Ben Affleck's from Michigan. He's a Boston guy. <laughs> Sidna does sound. I when he, he kept saying Sidna, I was like, "This has got to be in Boston or something, right?" <laughs> or Michigan or uh, Massachusetts, I mean. But no, mm-hmm. all set in Michigan. Uh, that movie, the Reindeer Games, which we're gonna be talking about. Is that quote that you read the quote except for the part about the pick? Is that accurate, or did you change it? Yeah, no, that's that's all one hundred percent the line or the so you know, he the, the dialogue. He says he wants to eat leftovers and then he says he wants to eat christmas turkey that's that's the order well he's talking about leftovers and i think he wants to get more specific about what the leftovers are going to be leftovers for for about six months that's so much food i'm just saying i mean damn man hungry i mean he's in jail i get it gonna get hungry Reindeer games in that in the song uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, when they yeah. said that they wouldn't let Rudolph play in any reindeer games, do yeah. you think this is what they meant? Mm, a heist. Be more specific. A heist. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, but then you don't really feel bad for Rudolph because why would you cut some new guy in on your heist? Doesn't really fit the story that they're telling. Um, yeah. They're probably like, your nose will give us away. It's too fucking distracting. (laughs) That does sound like dialogue from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Reindeer Games. Holiday classic. I'm glad that this movie, I wasn't sure how Christmassy this movie was going to be. It turns out pretty Christmassy. It's got a lot of Christmas music. Uh, it's got robbers dressed in Santa suits. I heard someone got, say that this is... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's got characters whose names are references to Christmas songs. Or Christmas that's characters. That's true, that's true. Uh, I, I, I saw someone point out that this is like a lot... This is very similar to the movie 3,000 Miles to Graceland, where a bunch of guys rob a casino dressed as Elvis impersonators. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I really like this gimmick of like, let's all dress... Let's have a theme costume. Theme costumes for our, our robbery. That's a fun idea. Um, given that, does it piss you off? This movie came out in February. I so I figured out. I found out why that is, and it's because they actually this movie was supposed to come out in December '99, but then test screenings went bad, and they like cut out some stuff. And John Frankenheimer is super pissed off, and then it just fucking came out in they February. Just it. So it was it was meant for a December release. Uh, but people are like, boo. They're like, okay, let's release it in February. That'll make people happy. People still were uh, like, this, boo. This movie is a bomb, uh, critical failure. It's not a cult classic. 
Uh, but I thought it sounded kind of funny. <laughs> I'm very interested in uh, that that period of Ben Affleck, where it's like, how can we use Ben Affleck? Is he an action guy? Or can we make him put him in action movies? What's funny is when you look this movie up on IMDb, you know, there's like a section that's like, if you like this, you might also like. And the first mm-hmm. result is changing lanes. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> We've dude. also covered. And the next one is Paycheck. I, th- I think that's what it's called, right? The sci-fi movie? Yeah. yeah. So I guess I got to pick Paycheck at some point. Definitely another uh, reason I picked this is there's a lot of actors in this movie that have been in previous picks we've done. So I'm just trying to get some more people into the three-timers club. And we got a lot of people in the two-timers club because of this pick. Um, even a few I wasn't aware of. Uh-oh. Can you name them? Let's see. Okay, so Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlize, we did Devil's Advocate yeah. uh, not that long ago. Gary Sinise was in Green Mile, so this is our second Gary Sinise. Donald Logue mm-hmm. was in Sneakers, second Donald Logue. I feel like we had to have done another Danny Trejo. He had to have been in something else we did. I feel like he had to have been in The Rock, even if he wasn't. He had. He was there in spirit. Yeah. And, and the one that surprised uh, I me... Think, I think it's because... I'm, I'm yeah. just giving his Wikipedia page. He was in Con Air, which is okay. basically the rock in the sky. Damn. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> is that how they pitched it? I don't remember the timeline I've... of how those came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The guy pitching it was just like, the rock, and then he points up, in the sky. <laughs> With a plane. They, they all look around and nod. Yeah. That's a sweet movie, Con Air. Uh, and then the other actor, the one that surprised me, is James Frain, who plays uh, Ben Affleck's cellmate, uh, Nick, was really? in uh, was that was it called the Tron Legacy? He was uh, his character's wow. name was Jarvis. He was like evil Jeff Bridges' right hand man. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy. I feel like we talked about that was like the standout character of that film. <laughs> uh, so so James Frain. We're in, yeah. insane in the mem frame. Yes, because like I was watching him in this movie, and I was like, "Wow, he's got a big part uh, for how <laughs> uh, how much I do not recognize him yeah. at all compared yeah, to either. everyone else in this movie." But I've I've seen his work before. Oh yeah, and we were a fan of his work. I don't know if I'm yeah. a fan of his work in this, though. It's not. I mean, we'll get into it, but that character. They take a real 360 with that character. Not sure how I feel about it. Or wait, 360? They end up back where they started. <laughs> they they kind of do. I don't know. They kind of do. Just he's more of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a 360 is kind of accurate for this movie. It's a lot of turning, and then you just kind of end up right where you started. Got some problems with this ending. Gonna get into it. This movie takes a real 360. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get more deeper into reindeer games, we gotta do our little picks, and I'll oh, go yeah. first. And my little pick is a book again. I'm turning into a real bookworm, you guys. Nerd. I know, I know. I, I gotta stop Nerd. picking letters. All these fucking <laughs> letters, exactly. Uh, and my pick is the book Kindred from 1976. This is a sci-fi book by Octavia Butler, famous science fiction author, 
Um, also a prominent for being a, a, a um, black and a woman, you know, and which is not, there's not a lot of prominent sci-fi authors um, in that, in that category. But uh, Kindred is a story, and this might sound familiar to you guys, this premise, because uh, the movie kind of ripped it off recently. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a black woman in the 70s. She's a writer, and she's moving into a new house in Pasadena with her husband. And then she just gets transported back to the antebellum south, um, uh, where she kind of meets this young boy. And then over time, it, she finds that this boy is like, she's distantly related to this boy. And she keeps jumping back in from modern day to the past. And this boy's like always like getting in trouble and almost getting himself killed. So she has to keep like saving him too. Um, so it's kind of like a back to the future kind of like hook and that like, I got to make sure I'm still born. But then also this is like that movie. Remember that movie Antebellum that came out a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. With uh, Janelle Monet, yeah, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure everyone hated that movie. Sounds like a huge ripoff of this, yeah. where that they also, I mean, that movie had a dumb twist, but they also set it up as a modern day black woman in the anime. Ooh, it had a dumb twist, and like, what would it be like if you were, you know, became like a slave, basically. Um, and it's it's a pretty like, I mean, obviously heavy subject matter, um, but I think the sci-fi angle is interesting. Like, every time she gets transported back to modern day, she's like, okay, how can I, what I know in modern day, how can I use that to, you know, take advantage of where I am in the past? Like, can I make false papers and then bring them back with me when I get transported again back to the past? So it makes it look like I'm a free a free person, not a slave, and stuff like that. It's very Twilight Zone. It's very engaging. And I think just the idea of being transported back and forth just totally seemingly at random points is a very scary concept like that you don't have control over the time travel uh, that you're stuck in loop or whatever. Um, And the reason I started picking it up is there's a show coming out that's uh, an adaptation of it Uh, pretty soon, like really soon. Like I think by the time this episode is out, that show will be out. I think the reviews for it were like mess. So I'm always, I'm already like, ah, oh, fuck. But I mean, it's still like a notable <laughs> book. And I'm so glad I'm reading it. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I've wanted to read this book. Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of a classic of the genre. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a real page turner. It's very exciting. Um, also, this is just kind of a, a, a little fun fact that I didn't know is Octavia Butler um, spent the last years of her life. I think she died in 2006, and she wrote her last book. While she was living in Lake Forest Park, which is literally right next to where I live right now. <laughs> like, sometimes when I'm out walking my dog, I'll walk past a sign that says, you have now entered Lake Forest Park. So I'm like, wow, she was out here when she was, you know, working on stuff. So it's just it's just weird. Also, why would you move? Because she, she grew up and lived most of her life in Pasadena. Why would you move from Pasadena to Lake City in Seattle? I wonder why. I couldn't find out why she did that. I guess she just liked the the trees and stuff. Um, but just kind of interesting that you know this legendary sci-fi author, right around here, man. It's wild. But yeah, good book. Do, Definitely. Do you think you're gonna get into the the Xenogenesis series? I don't. I don't know anything about that. Should I? I think that's her main thing. I wasn't sure. I know this is notable. I thought she was mostly like short stories, but I I don't really know that much about her. 
Z- what did you say it was called? Xeno... Xenogenesis. That sounds like heavy sci-fi. It's like... Uh... I don't know if I'm ready for that. I I don't really know. It's it's something about like aliens asking humans to like repopulate the earth. Or something. Okay. I don't know. Sounds cool. But this is the kind of sci-fi I like. That's a little more sad. Mm, no, not sad. Just like they don't really even explain Scary. the science of it. You know, it just ah. happens. Like the Twilight Zone, where it, it's more like about magic. It's more about the metaphor and what everything means than like actually the means to how it happened. Though maybe there will be a part later where it's like, there was a time anomaly that sent you back. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen in this book. Maybe. I mean, it sounds like the explanation is the fun part of Antebellum. Do you know the twist to Antebellum? I just read it because you said there's a twist. And I was like, there's a twist? It's, so it's It makes me definitely not want to see it. Do you know the twist <laughs> to Antebellum, Colin? I'm going to spoil it if you no. don't. I don't. Uh, it's that it's not she's not being transported back to the past she's like kidnapped and taken to a racist theme park <laughs> which is a wild idea and, and I feel like people really hated that movie because they're just like this movie is brutal and mean and terrible uh, which was a bummer because I was I thought the trailers looked cool I liked Janelle Monet. also they like tricked you into thinking Jordan Peele had some involvement <laughs> I remember in the advertising because they're like because they're like from the makers of like Get Out and mm. Us, but it's like some producer. It's not Jordan yeah. Peele. Like there's like one poster's like first there was Get Out, then there's Us, then Antebellum. It's like this is this is this is a trick, man. I don't like this. Uh, but that is that. But Kindred, my, my I do like it whenever they're super vague about the <laughs> production being responsible for some other thing you liked, yeah. like from the guys who brought you the Hangover. It's like, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's just the studio that produced that movie. <laughs> All right. Um, I was gonna do a different little pick, but maybe instead I should redeem uh, Janelle Monet. And make my little pick, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, uh, which had a little bit of a theatrical run there at the end of November, and then will be out on Netflix, uh, I believe, on like Christmas Day or something like that. Pretty Uh, close, yeah. At the end of the year. Um, It is a sequel to Knives Out uh, about a a whole new murder mystery um, that does... uh, really only connect to the first movie in that it shares the same main detective who is Benoit Blanc played by Daniel Craig doing uh, a funny accent like he also did in uh, Logan Lucky but I guess different I don't know I'll have to compare those accents to see if they're the same Um, it does flesh out the Benoit Blanc character a little more you get to get to know a little bit more of his uh, backstory uh, but mainly the movie is um, an ensemble vacation murder mystery with a whole new cast uh, including Janelle Monet, uh, but also Edward Norton and Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr uh, and Kate Hudson out of nowhere being great uh, when was the last time you saw a Kate Hudson movie anyone mm, 
long time. I feel like uh, there's probably a lot of her movies I just didn't see. Yeah. It's probably like Almost Famous and then like 10 movies I never saw. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, but she's, she's, she's funny. Uh, Dave Bautista's in it. Uh, Jessica Henwick uh, from uh, the Iron Fist TV show and also the Matrix movie that came out last That's year. That's right, yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Noah Segan in a small and amusing role. Uh, and you really got to look for the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh wow! Cameo. It's a. It's it's one where when you see it in the credits, you'd be like, "Oh, that was him." Uh, and there's actually a bunch of other fun cameos throughout the movie, uh, including uh, two people who have now died, which is uh, weird and kind of sad. Oh. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I don't really want to give anything away. It's it's a different... I mean, it's still dealing with uh, Benoit Blanc and uh, extremely rich, out-of-touch people. But this is a very different kind of out-of-rich... Uh, out-of-touch uh, rich people because these are uh, sort of nouveau riche uh, app people. And they all are uh, on this vacation to a, a, an island in uh, Greece somewhere. Um, so it's a, it's a really different aesthetic. It's a different spin on kind of the same character types. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. It's a, it's a fun comedy. Uh, I don't know if it's as satisfying a mystery. I think that was something that was interesting about Knives Out as well, where uh, Knives Out kind of tells you almost everything at, at about the midpoint in the movie. Yeah. Um and and so it's it's really just about kind of exposing what you already know. Um Knives Out doesn't do that, but it does do something kind of similar where it it kind of it it builds to something where I think you'd have a hard time deducing it. It's kind of a here's what the, here's what's going on type reveal um, that I, I'm, I'll be intrigued to find out if other people are like, oh yeah, I saw that coming, because it seemed pretty hard to, to figure out. Um, but, uh, I mean, long term, if you're going to watch this movie multiple times, the mystery doesn't matter, it's just the comedy. And the comedy's great. I'm having a good time. Uh, David Craig says he wants to do more of these, and, and Ryan Johnson says he wants to do more of these, and I think they're definitely doing at least one more with Netflix. Um, so, uh, can't wait to see that, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching this again when it hits uh, Netflix uh, in a few weeks. So, uh, Glass Onion, check it out. Do you think it was a mistake to do this limited theatrical and then straight to Netflix route? I don't know anymore. I don't understand the business anymore. Well, the thing is, like, people can't even, like, be talking about it because, like, no spoilers. So, it's like you can't yeah. even... Like, if it had been in theaters, people could be talking about it and more people had seen it. I just feel like the the conversation would have... um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens when it's on Netflix. Maybe it'll be, like, the biggest Netflix movie ever. Who knows? They always say, like, whatever new thing is the biggest thing that's ever been on the platform. It's just a weird strategy. 
It was out for a week. Uh, it made like fifteen million dollars. Uh, when I saw it, it was on the literally the last day. It was in theaters, yeah. um, and it was a late show, and the theater was still pretty sold out. And it was fun to see it with an audience that were laughing at everything. And, we, see, we see that's uh, the thing. It did really well, even though it was only out for a week. So it, it yeah. makes it seem like they probably lost a lot of money doing this. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Did they just yeah. put it out in theaters so they could get like Oscar nominations or something? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the plan was. But I look forward to seeing it. I'm very excited. Yeah. Hmm. Alright. Uh, yeah. My little pick. Um, I just caught up with the latest season of uh, it's a TV show. You know, I'm thinking about <laughs> what what shows I want to put on my top ten this year. So I'm doing a lot of catch up because a lot of mm-hmm. TV came out this year that I wanted to see and didn't have time for. But um, the show is Reservation Dogs. It is a uh, FX slash Hulu series. <laughs> Uh, about a group of indigenous teens growing up on a reservation in Oklahoma. Uh, The second season kind of picks up where the last season left off, where they all wanted to make this trip out to California just to kind of like escape their lives on, on the res. And things didn't go well. Now they're kind of, I don't know, Kind of, kind of split apart, um, doing their own thing, and uh, I mean, I, I liked the first season quite a bit. I think it started to really like find itself in like the second half of the season, and this second season uh, just kind of <laughs> keeps rolling along. I mean, it, it it is kind of just like a slice of life type of show there isn't a ton of plot at this point but that's like i'm pretty okay with that just because a uh, a native american reservation is just such an interesting place to set like a, a comedy um just because it's not it's not a place that's represented much in uh a lot of fiction or at least not tv or or movies and um I don't know, I just like the way that the show kind of just has this little universe of weird characters living on the reservation that you get to know outside of, like, the core group of uh, teens who are all very, very good and have a great chemistry. Um, I was happy to see that one of them, uh, his name's Lane Factory, showed up in The Fablemans in a small role. Oh. Um, Yeah. And then apart from that, you've also got a a bunch of great, like, veteran um, Native actors, uh, like Gary Farmer, who was a nobody in Dead Man. You've got uh, Zahn McLarnon, who was that really intimidating, like, hitman guy on the second season of Fargo. Uh, But here he's playing, like, a very bumbling kind of goofy cop which is pretty (laughs) fun to see him in like the exact opposite role of kind of his breakout (laughs) role on a tv show uh you got west study showed up on a couple episodes it's just like uh i don't know this show's got this great little universe of characters and uh it's this 
great little mix of like kind of a reverent comedy but it's also like kind of heartfelt at the same time um kind of makes sense that that taika watiti uh co-created it um kind of reminds me of his earlier movies even though i don't know if he had he's had that much impact on the show it seems like sterling harjo is kind of the main creative force behind it um he's a writer and director uh who uh is also of uh of native american ancestry as is like all the cast and the the writing staff and um yeah, just just a great little show, regardless of um, of its its uh, representation. Um, yeah, I dig it. Oh, one of those shows that's it's on the list. <laughs> we yeah, all know about. It. Out. We all oh, have. Oh, also, also gotta say, <laughs> the season finale um, has a cameo from. Um, Someone who is a a big The Pick favorite. I will just say that. I don't want to spoil it for you. See, you say that, and now I immediately start trying to guess who that could be. You you can guess. If you want to guess, you can have at it. The the Pick favorite? Um, Is it one of the Van Pattens? It's not one of the Van Pattens. (laughs) Well, then I don't know. That's all I got. All right. It's fine. I just I just have to watch it, or I'll just look it up. I'll probably just look yeah. it up. Yeah. I mean, I want to watch works. it. You know what it's like, though. There's so many shows. It, yeah. But I, I'm glad this one's good, though. Um, I have one guess. Okay. Because <laughs> I just, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the episode's called I Still Believe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the sax man from The Lost it, Boys? <laughs> It is wow. the sax man. It is Tim Capello. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this show's super, super fun and silly Incredible. when it wants to be. I never would have guessed that, and that's the best answer, too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great. We got to induct him into the Pick Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so think cool. so. For having just the, for just the best scene. In any movie that we've done, <laughs> maybe much. I have to think about that. <laughs> Definitely the mm-hmm. most like distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Man, now if only there was a cool sax man in Reindeer Games. Yeah, what's the most memorable part of Reindeer Games? Uh, I can tell you exactly what it is. What is it, Sean? The one good scene in the whole yeah. movie. Tell me. They're driving their truck. Shenanigans are going on in the back of the truck with Donald Logue. Boring. Don't give a shit. Yeah. Up in the front of the truck. <laughs> Ooh, I think I know what you're going to say. Go on. <laughs> Danny Trejo is reading, uh, I don't know, Forbes or some business magazine. Yeah. And he talks about how... Uh, business, uh, something like like ninety percent of the business that happens in the year happens in December, and how they should maybe they should add another uh, Christmas like holiday in like May to to help the economy. And Gary Sinise says, 
ever since you've been going to night school, you've been a real pain in my ass. And it made me laugh. And it was the only time in the whole movie I was having a good time. I love it's that. It's also maybe the only time Danny Trejo talks. I love that he pitches Christmas 2. Christmas 2. It's, it's so a great good. idea. It is a great idea. It's That's probably the funniest line in the movie. Because, yeah, it's unexpected. It's the most he gets to do. <laughs> It also I, I love these out, guys, but yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, it just points out how they did so little with such, like, fun actors in these supporting, like, heavy roles of as far as Gary Sinise's crew. Is that, like, we don't get to know anything about any of them except for that one guy who's going to night school. And that's still the only thing we learn about him. It's a shame, too, because they, they, they put together such a good supporting cast for the the gang yeah i mean i love donald logue where i feel like we're big donald logue fans mm-hmm. we covered him in sneakers mm-hmm. he does nothing really in this movie yeah. he's you pretty keep forgetting he's in it do or at you, least i did now i don't know if you if you this might intrigue you especially sean do you know who's originally not even considered a cast in the donald logue part hmm a the, donald logue type it's not a Donald Logue type. You're never going to guess unless I give you a bunch Ugh. of clues. It was Vin Diesel. Oh! Vin Diesel oh. was cast to play the character Pug. Um, but su- supposedly he had real issues with the script, um, and he did not didn't get along with Frankenheimer and then, and then left the project. And in retrospect, it's like, well, yeah, there's some problems with the script. So he's not wrong. <laughs> But what's interesting yeah. about that is because he turned it down, he was offered the Fast and the Furious. Whoa. Oh my god. This just became the most important movie in my life. <laughs> Had he done Ranger Games, he may not have been cast in the Fast and Furious because oh, he would have been busy. So maybe Donald Logue would have been in the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and I think that shows what makes Vin Diesel an interesting person mm-hmm. because he does care about the art of filmmaking surprisingly a lot more than all these other like macho meathead guys that you would associate him with like i bet uh, if dwayne johnson probably doesn't even read the script before he shows up <laughs> on the first day you know oh yeah and he he, he uh dwayne johnson's done a lot more trash i think in 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 the early part of his career than vin diesel vin diesel's early years aren't actually like they're pretty consistent with the projects he's continued to do his whole career (laughs) i mean his first movie was saving private ryan wasn't it yeah i think like yeah his first um yeah it might be his first because i think the thing is he like made he directed his own short film that he was in that i played some festival i don't know if it was sundance or whatever and that that's what got him discovered by you know the producers of Saving Private Ryan. And they're like, "Oh, let's put let's put you in Saving Private Ryan." And yeah, so that was it's kind of where it started. Um, so yeah, he, he really dodged a bullet with this one. <laughs> and then, uh, apart from Gary Sinise, the other gang uh, member that I want to talk about is is Clarence Williams. I was very surprised to see that he's in this movie because he's he's quite a bit older than pretty much everyone else. Yeah. He's six, He's sixty years old, so I was. But he looks great, um, and I think he's except really, for he's really sweaty. 
I think he's, he's really working hard good to keep up with everyone for having nothing to do. He just is always like off in the corner, like hey, hey, hey like smiling at the bad guy stuff. <laughs> um, but I love Clarence Williams. I love him from. Um, he's in a very underrated movie called Tales from the Hood from the '90s, where he's basically the crypt keeper of that movie. It's an anthology movie. <laughs> he's very good. I think a lot of people probably know him as the villain from Half Baked as well. Um, and he was on the Mod Squad in the '60s, so he goes way back. Um, I think he died pretty recently, but uh, it was fun to see him pop up in this movie. It's just such a random assortment of people, so it, it's a bit of a. It feels like a real missed opportunity that they really hit it out of the park with with casting. Um, and then it didn't really matter that they got like really good character actors for these parts. It could have been anybody, really. Um, but I got a little bit of background for Reindeer Games, not a whole lot. Uh, so it's a, it's an original script by Aaron Kruger who uh, is kind of just a journeyman screenwriter. He went to Tisch. He won the Nichols Fellowship Award. Colin, you might have heard of that. Maybe you've heard of that too, Sean. <laughs> I think I submitted a script to that one year. Oh, yeah. It's like, a very, it's a when I was right contest. out of film school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, something that you do. I, I don't know if I ever, I don't think I ever did it, but it's, it's something that you do if you're an aspiring writer. You submit. He won. Uh, for a script called Arlington Road, which did become a movie in, I think, 96. It's a Jeff Bridges thriller where it's like he doesn't trust his neighbors. I think that's the plot. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never seen it. Sounds sound, Actually, sounds like a future pick. Sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> um, Arlington Road. I don't think uh, it was a huge success, but, you know, it, it, it got him in, in the industry. And then he did some forgettable Rutger Hauer thriller. He did Scream 3. And then Reindeer Games is the original script he did, um, which really feels like I feel like there's a lot of screenplays and just films produced in the 90s that were like, let's do like a Tarantino thing where like the bad guys are the main guys. I feel like this was a whole subgenre of like Tarantino knockoffs. I don't know. I don't know if you guys got that vibe. I kind of felt like this is like this wishes it was a Tarantino I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just what I got out of it. Uh, but that was definitely it's just, a thing it's in the just 90s. It's so far from that because when you think Tarantino, <laughs> you think compelling dialogue, uh, and this had none of that. It does have wise ass criminals, though. But yeah, I guess you're right. It's not. They're not saying anything of interest. Yeah, I feel like this is so like dumb that I kind of always just thought of it as like a silly action movie. But, like, at the same time, there's barely any action sequences in it. Uh, yeah. So maybe it does think it's a Tarantino movie. It's just, like, there's nothing remarkable about it dialogue or, like, story structure-wise. So it just feels kind of in between an action movie and, I don't know, a more stylish crime movie. Hey, but but if we're talking action scenes, you guys can't lie to me. That that scene where Clarence Williams bursts in flames isn't kind of cool. Oh, that was great. I, <laughs> I love but it that. Was, <laughs> it was good, but it was so dumb. It's like obvious, like you know exactly what's going to happen. It's yeah. like, why are you lighting a cigarette right now, you idiot? <laughs> I know, but it's funny. <laughs> this is, of course, uh, Ben Affleck's character gets a, uh, a fake gun, like it's basically a squirt gun that he fills with alcohol. And then when Clarence Williams uh, lights a cigar or cigarette, I think that's it. He uses it to make him explode into flames. 
Yeah, well, but especially in the context, he's he's decided he wants to kill Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck has double crossed them during the heist. Yeah, and they're they're fighting for the gun, the real gun yeah. that he had, uh, and he gets the real gun, and he knows that Ben Affleck has the fake gun because he squirts him, and then so he's got the gun pointed at Ben Affleck, and he's like laughing at him. <laughs> he's always um, doing that, <laughs> and he's like he's been fighting him. It's like just shoot him. But instead, for whatever reason, at this moment, he's like, I'm going to get a cigarette out, even though it's not like I've been smoking. It would be one thing if throughout the whole movie, this guy's like, I love smoking. I'm always smoking a cigarette. But it's like, I don't think he's ever smoked anything in the whole movie. And then in this moment, he's got to light up just so Ben Affleck can kill him in that fun way. It's probably because he probably didn't expect that he would burst into flames that way with just like a spritz of alcohol because... That that yeah. wouldn't ever happen. It's completely insane. He didn't insane. think he was wearing the asbestos-lined Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. But no, Sean, you bring up a great point where, like, what good action movies do is they set things up in a subtle way, and then you get setups and payoffs. Like, I think of Die Hard about, you know, John McClane, you know, taking off his shoes, and then, oh, God, how that results in what happens to him later, stuff like that. Where, yeah, you're right. They don't set a lot of this up. It just happens. And it's like, whoa, what? The, can you believe that happened? It's like, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. One, one more note I wanted to bring up on uh, Aaron Kruger just because I find his career interesting. Uh, very bizarre filmography. I wanted to list a couple of his other projects. Uh, the Ring, which is pretty good. Obviously a remake, oh. but a good, good, good movie. I like The American Ring. Brothers Grimm, not good. Blood and Chocolate, oh. never seen it. Everyone laughed at the trailer when we saw a trailer for it at uh, Rocky Balboa. Because <laughs> the title's one of the worst titles I've ever seen. <laughs> I think that's an adaptation of a book, though, so he's not, not necessarily to blame. Yeah. He did. He wrote Transformers 2 through 4. I think those are all solo screenwriting oh, credits. That can't be right. Every single one of those is written by 75 people. <laughs> well, he he definitely seems to be one of these. Yeah, that... that I'm actually glad you brought that up because his final credit, um, there, I, I got to dispute this a little bit. Okay, so he also Ghost in the Shell, Dumbo, and then the one that I'm a little <laughs> confused by is um, he's got a credit on Top Gun Maverick. You know, the, oh. the biggest movie of 2022 so far. Um, Avatar's coming. Avatar's coming, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. You look at that movie. Like I was looking at the Top Gun Maverick Wikipedia, and there's just like because it's been kind of off and on in production, not in production for a while since like 2010. And there's been so many people that have taken a pass at the script. So I I have no idea at what point Aaron Kruger came on to that project. Um, because it lists like three writers, but if you read about it, it's even more than that. And so I, it's hard to say, like, who did the most work on that. I mean, doesn't it feel like at the end of the day, it's probably mostly Christopher McQuarrie making that work, right? He's he's Tom Cruise's guy, so you, you kind of wonder. Yeah, I, that's what I would assume. What's funny is when I was reading it, it sounds like he was the first person to take a crack at the script, and then it went through, like, you know, a dozen other people. And then then came back to him, you know. But if uh, if Top Gun, you know, is an awards movie, 
it, it did get some uh we're recording this on the day the gold globe nominations came out it did get some pretty important nominations maybe aaron kruger will be a, a future oscar nominated screenwriter for his work on wow. top gun maverick maybe i mean i feel like of the things that could be an award contention i don't think the script is really one but i don't know well you here, never know thing, I, I don't remember and i should know this because i i follow the oscars pretty closely i don't remember if sequels are count as adapted or original mm. screenplay so i don't know if that hurts or weakens its chance or strengthens its chances i mean i don't know it's just a funny thought. It probably won't happen. It's just a funny thought that the guy who wrote Reindeer Games, uh, who knows, maybe could be nominated for an Oscar. Maybe, probably not, but maybe. It's just funny. It, it really shows you how fucked up um, screenwriting credits are when we have, like, no idea. Like, we're also sort of like, did he even write anything on this movie? <laughs> um, and he, he must have, right? Because I believe the way that it works with the credits is that you have to prove that a certain percentage of what's in the final movie was from... Oh, yeah, back, there's right? arbitration. The there's credit. all sorts of... There's a whole process. <laughs> I, I feel like there's times where there's been writers who did, like, most of the work and then got no credit. I was just talking about on our Money Pit episode, Walter Hill and David Geiler doing rewrites on Alien, but they're not credited as screenplay by or whatever, even though... I was reading about it recently. I don't know why, but I was. And they apparently rewrote like the shit out of that thing. And it's just says story by. So it's a complicated process. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I got to touch on is uh, this is a John Frankenheimer movie. The legendary John Frankenheimer. Director of the Manchurian yeah. Candidate. Birdman of Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Very stylish, kinetic director. You know, big on paranoid thrillers. Uh, he could do art house. I watched Seconds for Criterion Month. It's great. But then he did bigger budget stuff like Grand Prix. And then somehow he was still working in the 90s. That's crazy to think about. His career lasted so long. Like, uh, I think he took over on that ill-fated Island of Dr. Moreau movie, <laughs> which is oh. one, of, one of the most wild behind the scenes of any movie I, I can recall. Um. He did Ronin in 98, mm-hmm. which was kind of a hit and also takes place n- close to Christmas. So I don't know why I didn't pick that. <laughs> You're waiting for me to pick it someday. Ronin, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know why that feels more like more of a Sean pick. Maybe it's the international flair. It's the Jean Renault <laughs> of it all. Feels like more of a Sean actor <laughs> for some for some reason. I get it. Um, but then, unfortunately, this ended up being his last movie, was Reindeer. His last theatrical movie was Reindeer Games. Because he did do a made-for-TV political drama called Path to War, where Michael Gambon played Lyndon B. Johnson. I think Alec Baldwin's in it, too. Oh. He also... This is interesting, because I haven't thought about this in a while. He directed the first of those BMW shorts with Clive Owen. Remember those? Oh, yeah. He did the, the driver. Fir- he did the first one. Uh, so that's weird what a weird time that was those are kind of fun right I don't know if I saw them all but I, I feel like at the time they were, they were pretty cool they, they were so well, the higher they were called okay so there was uh, Ang Lee did one Wong Kar Wai Guy Ritchie uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inuritu, John Woo Damn. 
uh, Joe Carnahan, Tony Scott. Fuck. Uh, and then I guess they did a new one in 2016 with Neil Blomkamp. Which so pretty much everyone who was good at action. Yeah. We'll just maybe those should be a pick someday. We'll just watch all of those. How long could that possibly? How long are those shorts? They can't be that long, right? They're like basically commercials. I wonder if those uh, are anywhere. Sixty-four minutes is the total of all eight. Oh, I love that runtime. <laughs> Music to my ears. It's gonna make me want a BMW so hard. Um, but yeah, John Frankenheimer. He was he was uh, slated to direct Exorcist: The Beginning. Uh, which of course oh, was a movie yeah. so bad that they just made it again <laughs> after they made it one time. <laughs> I'm watching those next year. I've decided because there's a new Exorcist movie coming out in 2023. I'm gonna watch Exorcist: The Beginning and Exorcist: Dominion because that's never that's such an insane thing that happened. They made an Exorcist yeah. prequel. It sucked. They remade it again, and it was even worse. The first one, the first one. So Paul Schrader took over for John Frankenheimer, and then they're like, "Fuck you, Paul Schrader," and they brought in Rennie Harlan. He had an even worse job. Stellan Skarsgård stars in both of them because he just did it twice. And you can watch both of them. They both came out. So insane. Are they the same script? I think they're pretty similar. I mean, they, they can't okay. be exactly the same because they have different names, right? I don't know. I need to see it. They have some of the same cast. Yeah. I, I think there's... I don't. I, I honestly can't answer. I, I don't know. Like it gotta watch sounds them. like maybe it's not the director's <laughs> the reason your movie yeah, I don't think so. turning out into a turd. <laughs> but the Paul Schrader one's supposed to be a, a little better than the Rennie Harlan one. Uh, apparently, they're both supposed to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sounded like it would have been an even worse note for Frankenheimer to go out on. Um, but yeah, he had uh, poor health around that time, and he had stroke, and he died in 2002. He's 72. Um, but we're talking about reindeer games. Um, maybe one of his most important films. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find out if that's true. Okay, so we got we got Ben Affleck as as Rudy yep. Duncan, and he's in jail in Michigan in the wintertime. He's a car thief, um, and his cellmate is Nick Cassidy, who is the great uh, James Frain, insane in the Memphrain. We we're talking about him earlier. Did, did we did we know what he did? Did he shoot somebody? I don't remember if we got into his. Yeah, they, we don't they learn kinda... a lot about him. Weirdly enough, they kind of tease it out, but yeah, it's something like he. he, uh, he well, we know he murdered someone, and yeah. I think what they we, we slowly find out that it had to do with him working in a casino. But not only are I they guess. best friends in jail, uh, they're also going to get out like on the same day, which is fun. Two two yeah. day they're two days from release, and Nick has been writing to um, a woman on the outside that he met through a prison magazine. They, they throw that in there. And I was wondering, you, you hear about prisoners writing to people and people writing to prisoners. And I'm like, what is a prison magazine? Is this like a highlights magazine for prisoners? Do they publish their own magazine? I'm just interested in this concept. That's all. Just want to throw it out there. It's interesting to me. Um, but she's never met him. He's never met her. Ashley. Um, and you can tell that like Rudy is definitely jealous because um, 
I mean, he doesn't have much. I guess he has his, his family to look forward to when he gets out. As I, I did the intro, he's looking forward to hang out with his dad, eating turkey for six months, all that fun stuff. Mm. And we don't we don't really know his crime either, right? We know he's like a it's something to do with cars. We just know he's a car thief. They don't go into specifics. But another prisoner named Alamo has just gotten out of solitary, and he has a feud with Rudy because Rudy somehow. He thinks Rudy put him in there, so he blames Rudy. So there's a there's a, there's a feud going down in this prison, and it all uh, it gets out of control during a uh, lunch. This is also where we see Isaac Hayes for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Isaac Hayes as a prisoner named Zook, uh, who just starts screaming, "There are monsters in the gelatin because someone has put cockroaches in the jello." Don't know why yeah, he's in gross. it. Just screaming. There's monsters in the gelatin over and over again. And it starts a big prison fight. But we can see that somebody set this up because then Alamo is using this as an opportunity to come after Rudy. Uh, but then Nick sacrifices himself and dies. Or does he? He doesn't die. <laughs> Spoiler alert. This movie is a really dumb twist. <laughs> Duh. Where, where does he go after he dies? Like, well, remember, Colin, yeah. the prison guards are like, get out of here, get out of here, get look at this. But like, uh-huh. why? Or, or uh, Yeah, it's just weird. They, they, I don't even think they rush out Nick. They rush out Rudy or something. It's weird. Mm-hmm. No, they they take the time. When, when okay. Nick reveals everything at the end, oh, yeah. he's like, Here's what happened. I did get stabbed a little bit, but I also used uh, fake blood to make my injury look worse. Mm. Then they took me to the prison infirmary, and my time was up by the time I was released from the infirmary, so I just never came back to my cell. I think this movie will be easier to talk about, yeah, if we're just open about the spoiler now, and that basically everything that happens in this movie is this some sort of mastermind plan by Nick, by his cellmate. Everything that happens is something that he hoped or planned to happen, which I wish I'd watch it again because there's so much that has to go right for even to happen like it does. Like, it's just there's so much left to chance. It's a terrible plan, really. Yeah, it's just <laughs> making so many assumptions that <laughs> this will lead to this and this will lead to this. Almost like there are things in a movie plot. Right off the bat, once once uh, Rudy gets out of prison and he sees Ashley there waiting, and he's like, oh, should I go up to her? Should I just get on this bus and leave? He gets on the bus. Should I do the normal human thing and be like, hey, I know you're waiting for Nick. Nick is dead. I don't know why no one told you that. That sucks. I'm so sorry. I don't know why that option was not presented as a viable thing to do. The normal human <laughs> thing. So... So Nick assumes that not only is Rudy not going to leave, he's going to stay and then say that he's Nick. It's, yeah, it's, that's the bet he's made. It's quite a leap to make that he's going to do that. And also, we need to we need people to understand that this is one con that's going on, but he has a whole separate con <laughs> going on that overlaps with this, where he has uh, Charlize Theron pretending to be someone else so that she can con Gary Sinise and his crew into wanting to do this job. So there's this 
dual identity thing that Charlize Theron has to do for just to add complexity to the plot. Yeah, she has to pretend to be in love with who she thinks is Nick, but then also say that <laughs> Gary Sinise Gabriel is her brother, but then also pretend to seduce him. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of work for her. So Charlize Theron has said this is her least favorite movie she did, and I don't blame her for that because uh, she plays a character whose role is to sleep with three of the men in the movie, and that's about it. I feel bad that I'm a huge Charlize fan. I love her. And that the two movies that I've picked with her in it so far are ones where she gets naked multiple times. Multiple times. In both movies. Very not... Yeah, kind of slightly degrading performances. As a, a bit of a disappointment. She's great in both of them. She's I think she's good in this. I think she's good in uh in Devil's Advocate. But yeah, not not the best roles for a woman. Well, I will um, say, I mean, it it is impressive that she was able to make that career turn after doing a monster which i have yeah, not I seen could, but it's just like she she could have been stuck doing these types of roles the entire rest of her career and she was able to pivot and uh you know that's hard to do when you're a yeah a leading lady type uh but not one who really gets to star in their own movies much um but charlize's ashley quotations and mm-hmm. rudy decides to pretend he's nick and they you know they go to like a diner and right off the back their um, chemistry is, is, is weird. It's awkward because she thought he tried to leave her, which, again, it's what a normal person would have done. Um, but he's but he's hot and heavy for her. They have uh, motel sex. Uh, there's another thing that happens around this time in the movie that is also something that uh, uh, no one would ever do. Because in the narration, Ben Affleck says, oh, I'm just going to pretend to be Nick for a little while and then after the holidays I'll tell her. I just want her to have a normal holidays. So what does he do? He flushes his ID down the toilet. <laughs> he doesn't just like hide it or something. Or, like put it like I'm going to keep it in my shoe. He flushes it down the toilet. It's not like he's going to pretend to be Nick forever. He's going to go back to being Rudy. Why are you getting rid of your ID? That means you can't drive a car. It means you can't buy alcohol. I mean... It works out for him later when the the robbers like check his wallet and they can't prove who he is. Like it's like it's only it only is so the, the the screenwriter can like oh see see they can't figure out because he got rid of his ID. But it's like yeah, but no one ever would have done that. It's it's just weird. That's the thing about this movie. I actually think this premise is pretty good. I think the premise of like I'm gonna pretend to be someone else and then oh shit. They have a special talent, and I have to pretend I also have that talent. Like, I know all about this casino. I have to make a bunch of shit up. I think that is is high suspense. I think there's a lot of good tension from that. The problem yeah. is, to get to that point, you have to make all these choices that no one would ever make. And then he continues, not just him, but other people in the movie continue to make all these bad choices that don't seem realistic. That's the part where it fails. Also... There is a scene in this movie. Okay, so uh, like r- right off the bat, uh, when Gary Sinise and his crew show up, 
Ben Affleck is like, hey, I, I'm straight up. I'm not Nick. I'm Rudy. I'm a different guy. I don't have this knowledge. And then they're like, I think this is an act. I think he really is Nick. And so they like, they sort of go with it. And then there is a scene where they're, I think it's the other side of that scene I was talking about before with the with the magazine with Danger Out, where in the back of the truck, Donald Logue and Charlize Theron and Ben Affleck are talking. And, and Charlize Theron is like, Nick, why are you saying your name is Rudy? And he's like, no, I'm not faking. My name really is Rudy. And then they get out of the truck later, and Donald Logue is like, hey, they were talking, and I was listening, and he's like, my name is Rudy, it's not Nick. And they have no reason to be pretending, because they didn't know I was listening to them. I'm pretty sure this guy is not Nick. And then they still keep him around. <laughs> I don't understand at that point. Like, it just doesn't make sense. to they. There is this... They could have had him pretend to be Nick and not do this. But they went this direction with it for no reason. Just to frustrate me, I think. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, well, just we'll make it dumb so that Sean will be mad at the movie instead of having a good time. Uh, I don't know. I think they're trying I think they're just trying to raise that tension, but they shouldn't raise it to the point where you like how dumb are these bad guys then? They can't be this dumb. They must know it's not the right guy at a certain point. It's not like he's that convincing. He's just trying to pretend to be Nick. (laughs) Because everything he does is wrong. Uh, Because one of the first things they do, because we're jumping Ed, he's met met the gang, Gabriel, um, Gabriel Pug, Jumpy, and Merlin. Great names. Gabriel's also known (laughs) as Monster. I I couldn't... I could not have told you any of those names. I remember. I actually did remember Merlin. That's Clarence Williams' character. Cause just because it's such a funny name, Merlin. Why? It just what does that have to do with anything. It's not like it really represents any of their personalities. I wouldn't say Danny Trejo is jumpy at all. Not like he's a nervous guy. Um. Oh yeah, but one of the first things that they have him do because. What 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 we basically learn is that the real Nick used to work at this casino and knew like all of the procedures. He knew the layout, so he basically knew like the perfect way and perfect time to rob this casino in Michigan. Um, so they make Ben Affleck draw up a map, and he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's super fucking wrong because <laughs> they because the thing is he draws up the map, and they're like, "That's not what it looks like. We've been there already." He's like, no, no, they remodeled. And I guess we're just supposed to believe that he's just so convincing. And they're like, okay, I guess they did remodel. I guess you're right. Um, And that leads to that very, I think it's a really fun scene though. And I'm skipping around a little bit, but that really fun scene where they're like, I need to go back to the casino because they've remodeled it. I kind of need to get a feel for how things are now. Um, but the, and they're like, no, you. They'd recognize you. you. Used to work there, but we can let you go if you wear a disguise. <laughs> so they dress up Ben Affleck. He looks like General Custer. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. It's supposed to be funny, but I don't think it's that good of a disguise. I don't think if one of my former coworkers came in with a goatee and a cowboy hat, I would not recognize him. I guess he has sunglasses too. Right. But and the thing is, uh. Merlin, I guess, the like Clarence Williams character, is like, yeah, this is this doesn't make sense. Yeah. The his boss just walked up to him and didn't recognize him, and the costume's not that good. This is bullshit, guys. And everyone's like, eh, let's not worry about that. I, I don't know how they, they could have rewrote this, but it almost sort of worked more if the gang for some reason did 
knew this was the wrong guy from the beginning, but are trying to convince him he's the right guy. I don't know how the script has to change to make that make sense. But so I'm thinking of another the pick movie, yeah, which also which came out in 1999, starred the other Goodwill Hunting guy, talented Mr. <laughs> yes. Ripley, Matt Damon. Yes. So that is a movie about assuming. God, that's weird. They came out so close to each other. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> about assuming an identity of of a dead person, um, and and people are suspicious, but they don't have enough evidence in that to be like, well, that's that's uh that's not the guy, right? Yeah, and that works in that, and they could have done the same thing here, where like, hey, it seems like he should know more things about his old place of work. <laughs> But instead, he's like, "No, I'm not that guy." And so they like they don't even have to be suspicious. There's like, uh, "I guess we're just gonna go with it because this is the plot of the movie." <laughs> Sean, he doesn't have an ID. How are they supposed to know? <laughs> like all good criminals, he doesn't walk around with an ID. <laughs> Before I get to this walking around the casino in a cowboy outfit, I do have to point out I really like that scene where he's eating pie and. And uh, hot chocolate and making a lot of demands. I enjoyed that just because I love eating scenes in movies. Yeah, I, I literally, when I was watching that movie, I, I turned to Nina and said, I bet John really likes this scene. Colin, you know that I paused that and went to go make hot chocolate. Yeah, of course. Anytime someone eats in a movie, you're you're all in. I wanted to make that my intro because it just, I feel like he says it in funny ways. Like, I just want my damn hot chocolate. <laughs> And a slice of pecan pie. He's a very Boston way of saying hot chocolate. Yeah. Well, also, I I know you're a fan of hot chocolate because of the song from the Polar Express, which I've heard you sing multiple times. We've only got one rule. Never, ever let it cool. (laughs) Hot chocolate. The moment where I discovered, oh, wait, Tom Hanks can't sing, can he? (laughs) <laughs> as talented as that man is I don't think Tom Hanks can sing hmm. he talk, he talks sings his way through that yeah unfortunate still love him you know another food thing I liked in this movie yeah. um, when they abduct uh, uh, Rudy and uh, I don't know Ashley I guess yeah, we're calling Ashley. her uh, <laughs> that. Uh, there, she's just come back with like groceries and I like that um, uh, Clarence Williams is like, man, they got a shitload of cookies. <laughs> That's fun. That's funny. Got to give it points, you know, where they're, they're there's yeah. moments, there's moments, they're small, they're there. There's moments. Um, I do like this scene where Ben Affleck is dressed up like the cowboy. Um, they point out that it's in an Indian casino, which I guess is funny. Oh, it's a, it's a, what's his face? Dennis Farina is the owner of the casino, which is fun. Doesn't really do much. Um, I think I did take note of, because he said he was from Vegas, so he's met like a bunch of famous people, and I had to pause it to see who he had pictures of, like (laughs) Photoshop pictures of on his wall. And Mm -hmm. there's a picture of him with Cher, Dolly Parton, and Robin Williams. I just thought that was fun. Um, but basically, you know, I will say I really like the the decision that this is like a crappy casino in the middle of nowhere, and it's like who gives a fuck? I kind of like that instead of making it like a super nice like Ocean's Eleven type casino. Mm. It's just like, yeah, these guys are gonna rob some dump. 
I think that's a nice touch. Except, except, except. Yes. When they do rob it, it's fucking full of money. They've got like the Walter White like vault of uh, infinite stack of bills for some reason in this casino that they keep driving home the fact that nobody goes to. Why do they have a hundred billion dollars in cash in the back of this fucking casino? I mean, I couldn't really eyeball how much it was. It did seem like a lot for for a place that is like Dennis Farina is. He meets with some like he has a meeting earlier and it doesn't go well. It's clearly like failing. So I guess it is a little surprising when they do finally open the vault and there's like a lot of money in there. There's like a lot of security guards. There's like a there's lot a, of money. there's a lot of armed guards. Like I don't really know anything about casinos, but like I was just surprised there's so many armed guards in the vault. Which is one of Ben Affleck's big fuck-ups, because he tells them, like, oh, yeah, there's no guards in there. It's a tiny casino. Like, when they rob it, there's, like, two people gambling in the casino. Yeah, like more <laughs> two, like, like, old winos or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Probably guys that came in carrying a bindle. And yet there's millions of dollars in cash in the back. No, I, it's I, and it's a, it's a funny idea for a casino, and it's a funny idea for a heist. A failing casino is good. I like this character that Dennis Green is playing. They they say that he's like a, 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 a Las Vegas guy who's like put together a bunch of successful casinos, and then this was like his ultimate challenge was to <laughs> to make this this one uh, succeed, even though it's it's always snowed in and no one could even get to it. And he's he's you know he's kind of become a drunk and he's upset because this. His great plans aren't paying off, and this one casino is going to fail. That's that's all. That's 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 funny stuff. That's interesting stuff. That's like on, you know, on paper. That's that's a good idea for for your script. But they, like, the character doesn't get to do anything interesting really, uh, and and it just doesn't make sense because this casino doesn't fit with the plot that they're doing, where they need to get away with a bunch of money. Is this a better movie if when they finally get to the vault, there's like practically nothing in it, and then also James Frain doesn't show up at the end? Wouldn't that that'd be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, if it's just if it's just a dumb heist that goes badly, I think it's better. I forgot to comment on one other thing that I wanted to say at the beginning of this. I don't like that this movie opens with shots of um all the dead Santas, the, them in their Santa costumes, like a bunch of dead bodies lying around. <laughs> I feel like that yeah. really diffuses the tension. Like, I can understand if you're a screenwriter writing, like, exterior, like, a snowy parking lot. A Santa lies in a pool of his own blood. Like, that's, that looks good on the page. But when, when you open the movie like that, you're like, okay, so they're all just going to die. That's what happens to them. Yeah. Well, even like like you were saying, even if they just did one Santa. Yeah. Like, one Just the one in his pool of blood, because then you don't know who it is. You're not sure who it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, they're like, here's all the dead Santa. They show the burned like, okay, Santa. Well, yeah, they just show them all dead. Well, at least, you know, four of them So you just need to dead. figure out which one's which. That's the mystery. Great. How much fun that is. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that kind of sucks. You, you know what's going to happen. Um, so during that uh, scene where he's dressed as a cowboy, we get a very surprising cameo. Ashen Kutcher shows up. <laughs> with a, well, Also with a, with a similar goatee. So Ben Affleck takes him to the bathroom. He's like, hey, I'll give you a bunch of money if you switch clothes with me. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Again, no one would agree to this. But he does. So. Uh, I mean, college, kid will, college kids do stuff for money. Okay. I'll give him that one. 
It's also this moment that Merlin finds out that because when he talks to a waitress that the place was never remodeled. Yeah. Uh, so they know they try to track down uh, Rudy, but of course they just just Ash and Kutcher, and uh, Rudy makes a run for it. I think this chase is kind of cool, where he's trying to flee from them through the snow. You know, it leads to that sequence where he uh, he rolls down a kind of a cliff, and then he's on a an icy lake. Again, it's 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 moments like this where you're like, I can't believe this was uh, Nick's plan. I mean, obviously he didn't plan for this, but like his girlfriend almost dies falling through thin ice. So this plan is just out of control. Like there's just so much going wrong. Or right, I guess it all went right for him until the end. <laughs> Um, you know what also bothers me about this scene yeah. is um, so Rudy dives in and he pulls Ashley out and so he's captured again he sacrifices his freedom to, to save her life yeah. um, and then a ice fisherman comes up to them and he's like hey everybody okay and then Gary Sinise is like well I gotta kill this guy <laughs> and I don't know why this fisherman didn't see them do anything illegal all he saw them do was, was pull two people out of the ice they he saw them be heroes, basically. He, he, he didn't deserve to die. I don't get it. Explain this to me. Why did this guy have to die? I think it shows that uh, Gabriel, a.k.a. Monster, it, like he, when he says, like, we'll kill you if you don't go along with us, it's not an empty threat. I think it shows that he will kill him, even though it sounds like without him they have literally nothing to go on with this casino robbery. But, um... Yeah, I, I think it just goes to show that his threats of violence are real. Uh, yeah, un- unnecessary, of course, but also it's like, you know, this movie is up the kill count a little bit, right? It's not that high at this point. <laughs> well, it's not a very cool kill. The guy hides in a house and he shoots him through the door so we didn't even see him get hit. Yeah, yeah, it's not Which, that by cool. the way, would have been a good if they were setting up this being like a trick. Yeah, you know, if the ice fisherman was somehow in on the on the heist, but uh, they have a flashback where that. he like has a walkie-talkie. And he's like, "Yeah, the plan's back on track." Uh, there's that whole sequence where Rudy they take him back to a hotel. At this point, it's still like, "Okay, this is definitely not the guy, right?" Because like he was wrong about the remodel. <laughs> uh, he tried to flee, but they're like, "I don't know," or just going with it. I can't remember why they continue to have him tag along but there's that sequence where he's like handcuffed to a bed in a hotel and he makes an escape but doesn't i don't understand why he gets out of his his cuffs what did he use to get out of his cuffs was it something he stole from the casino i don't remember so he has some like little tool or something um but he, he tries he gets on the parking lot he tries to steal a car because he can hotwire cars but doesn't want to get spotted and instead of running out into the woods or something, I mean, I know it's cold, but at least it's something. He runs back into the motel. I don't know why. But, of course, because he runs back in the motel, that's when he discovers Gabriel and Ashley in the pool talking about their plans out loud. <laughs> well, well, getting hot and, and, and sweaty. Sexy, which of course he he thought they were brother and sister. Up to yes, he did, so but cool. only find out like, are they a couple? I mean, they're not. She's just playing him. Uh, still a good opportunity for Charlie to get nude. So they're making out, and Ben Affleck just has to basically make make his way back to his room. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and he's got the, the problem that in both stairwells are one of the goons. Daintress coming up one, and Clarence Williams is coming up the other, so he's, like, running around. And he has to figure out how to hotwire his uh, hotel room door. Which is just, like, hotwiring cars, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> Tense. Let's get to the robbery. I think we're I think we're we're close enough to there. They're all in Santa suits, which is fun. I guess it it's, you know it hides who they are. It's fun. I, I like it. I'm gonna say it. I can't think of any problem with it. Yeah, it's fine. They're all and the like the the guys that go in early are their act is that they're mall Santas that are you know out of work because the season's ended because it's Christmas. Yeah. And there's practically no one That's in the casino. Just... I like the atmosphere of that. It's good. Um, and I'm trying to remember how the. I think they just what they just whip out their guns, right? They just go for it, and then each guy goes to where they think they're supposed to go based off of the map. Yep. Like you know, Donald Logue makes his way to. Um, I don't know what you call them. The cashier people makes his way behind that desk. They're shooting everybody. They're killing a bunch of people. Um, you know, tries to go into that vault. There's guards in the vault, even though Ben Affleck said there wasn't. Donald Logue gets killed. I don't remember how Danny Trejo gets killed. Do not recall. I don't know if he just gets gunned down during the chaos. I guess it's not that exciting of a sequence, aside from Clarence Williams' death. <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys shooting each other. And, then, you know, the, the, I, I do like the little touches where, like... Um, Gabriel like runs up the stairs and he's like trying to remember okay turn right turn right it's like a fucking closet I think that's funny mm. but at the same time it's like <sighs> he tried to run away from you his maps were wrong it's definitely the wrong guy it just it's it's unfortunate they got this far and they, they fell for it that they're that dumb but does um does Dennis Farina kill uh Danny Trejo yeah, maybe because 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 yeah, there's one thing earlier. Uh, ben Affleck mentions that there's like there's the special powwow safe that's up in the manager's office. So they go up to the manager, and they 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 rough him up. Also, there's that moment where they ask Dennis Farina like, "Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy?" And he's like, "The cowboy," because he just saw him as the cowboy from the reconnaissance mission. He does it so. Like fuck, you're yeah. definitely the wrong but he al- guy. But he also says that's not Nick Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. And so once again, they have the opportunity to just shoot Rudy and end this stupidity. But 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 they don't. Yeah, because Rudy says, "But he did tell me where the powwow safe was." <laughs> and then, yeah, where is it? And he goes behind the bar. And I and it, I, you know, this is one of those things where I can imagine some people hating that. It's a coincidence that there is some sort of special vault behind the bar. But I can imagine it. I like it. And what's funny is it's not even like there's a bunch of money back there. Des Free just like fucking pulls out a machine gun and fights back. And yeah, maybe that's where Danny yeah. Trejo gets killed. Uh, it's fun that Dennis Free gets something to do. He gets to, he gets to shoot a gun. Um, I don't remember how... I guess Ben Affleck, he probably... He probably ducks out of the way, tries to escape, and that's when he runs into Merlin, I would assume. And, of course, Ben Affleck just has the stupid squirt gun filled with liquor. But he uses it to his advantage, man. He lights Merlin ablaze. Merlin always smoking that cigarette. (laughs) Not, not, I mean, not. He isn't, but, you know. 
but uh, yeah, I guess. But yeah, while the, the, all this is going down, they they still get the money out of there somehow. This yeah. So I, it it turns out Gary Sinise had like no loyalty to his crew. No, he's he's sort of like. Um, you know, Charlize is here. We got the money. This is great. We're gonna escape, and and I get to kill Rudy when we, uh, when we do this last part of the plan that I never told anyone about, which is to put Rudy in a car yeah. and then send the car flying over a cliff. Uh, and so the car will crash, and they'll find the dead body, and hopefully it'll catch fire. So they'll just assume the money burned. Up. I think they do put. Uh, don't they put some of the stolen money in the car? So I, I thought they did, so that if when he burned Maybe. it, there would be some. Sure. Yeah. So I guess that was the plan. Again, when we know how this ends, with Nick, the real Nick Cassie showing up. I don't know. It just so many things had to go right. I would see, something mm-hmm. I was trying to look up before we actually started this. Did he ever work in a casino? You think? I think he really did work in that casino. Okay. Because yeah. I think he's like I always wanted to rip that place off, and that's how I started coming up with this plan about <laughs> using my girlfriend to seduce a crew, and then <laughs> we came up with this other plan about <laughs> working with an inmate for some reason. And, um, it just seems like the more it. likely outcome is they all get killed in the casino by. Right. Which they almost or did. If they, if they all come out alive, by the way, he's fucked because then he has to kill the whole crew <laughs> at that semi. You're right. I didn't even think about that. It, the plan is almost dependent on all the crew dying. It need, yeah, it really needs almost everybody to be dead. That's the only way he can succeed. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah, Nick shows up. He walks around the truck. I remember that moment where I was like, oh, fuck. We see his, like, feet. It's like, that's the guy. God damn it. <laughs> that makes no sense. It's all part of his master plan. Well, but before he shows up, there is the confusing moment when Ashley kills uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> and for a little bit, I'm like, okay, so maybe they're going to do, like, actually... Like Rudy was in on it the whole time, and all this dumb stuff was actually not as dumb as I thought. Yeah. But instead, it's actually much dumber than I thought. <laughs> it's much dumber. So if they'd come with the whole crew, would Charlize have had to kill the whole crew? She would have had to turn around and headshot three guys. <laughs> One, two, three. Uh, that this is uh, now my biggest problem with the movie. Is if the gang had made it, he was so fucked. Uh, but they didn't. She easily takes out Gabriel. James Frain shows up. And so his explanation is, now this is the perfect plan, because uh, because he wasn't part of the heist, so they have the right number of dead bodies. Um, right. With, with Gabriel dead, and then they can stick with the make Rudy go over an edge in the car uh, so they'll find all the dead bodies they'll assume the money is burned up and they'll get to make the perfect escape but you know what they didn't count on Rudy's former What's car that? thief oh yeah he's like never put a car thief thing. 
I don't know what the line is behind the wheel of a car. Something stupid. <laughs> and so he does manage to hotwire in time and goes in reverse and drives backwards into the semi. Um, crushes Nick. I don't remember how yeah. Charlize falls. She falls to her death. Does he hit her? Yeah, she tries to shoot him and he hits her with the car. Yeah, hits her and then he crushes Nick. And so then he's got all the money. Everyone's dead but Ben Affleck. He's got all the money. So he decides to... He's going to head back. Well, wait, 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 wait. So he... Because you got to remember, he sends the car with uh, Charlize Theron flying over the car. Right. Uh, but Nick is still alive in the back of the semi, yeah. so then he puts the semi in reverse so that that can also go over <laughs> Just so John Frankenheimer can film two cars going off of cliffs and exploding when they hit the bottom. And I'll say, the semi explosion is pretty satisfying. I like it. So he t- For a movie that I think is shot poorly, that's a fun shot. I kind of liked how it was shot. You know, one thing I noticed it did a lot of is there's so many scenes where there'd be like a, a close-up of somebody's face, and then you can see another character kind of off to the side on the like right or left-hand side of the frame, slightly to the distance. Yeah. Did that shot so many times. There's actually one scene, and I don't usually notice this kind of stuff, where Clarence Williams is in the background of one of those shots, and then they cut away, to, and he's wearing like now wearing sunglasses in another side of the room. <laughs> so like he's in two places at once. They fuck, this is a really bad continuity error. With him yeah. popping up in the back of a frame and then later in a frame. I know that like the the '90s and the 2000s were all about um, like really short shot lengths, like fast cuts, yeah. and so this is like in that style. But there, it's just so many close ups and medium shots. I think it's so boring to look at. I don't know why we can't just like stage scenes and have a few lengthy shots every once in a while. Um, and like we were already talking about, this is also sort of an action movie where there's not really any good action. There's just one good kill. It's one good kill. Yeah, even that end um, confrontation on the cliff isn't that clever. Just hitting people with a car. <laughs> not the most fun thing you could do. Um, Baruti takes, you know, what left of the money. He's got it in a big sack. Starts walking home. And they're playing Christmas music as he starts putting money into random people's mailboxes. Yep. Because no one followed up on this robbery. No cops went after. He's heading back to Sidnah. And gets to have Christmas dinner with his family. Happy ending. Very nice. Very festive. So fucking stupid. I was watching this as as snow was falling. I was drinking my hot chocolate. I don't. This is like a, this is a bad movie, but I had a lot of fun with it. I thought, for me at least, it was a fun bad movie. I don't know if you guys had fun. Did you guys have any fun with this, Colin? Did you have fun with this? It's okay mm, if you didn't. I guess. I think. I mean, it was like watchable. I wasn't completely checked out. It wasn't like a Morbius where I was <laughs> like angry yeah. at the movie for existing. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. I mean, it's easy to have like a little bit of, I don't know, like reverence for this type of action-y crime movie because they just like were everywhere 
in in studio filmmaking in the uh, 90s, which, you know, this movie feels like a 90s movie, even though it came out in 2000. Almost so. was. Almost was. Yeah, so <laughs> they don't really make them like this anymore, even if it's a bad version of, of what it is. Uh, so I guess it's, it's still kind of hard to hate, at least in that regard. Um, I guess I had a, a closer to call experience. It, it, to me, this is like almost a perfectly true neutral movie. <laughs> where like, I didn't hate it. I didn't really find much to like either. So I recognized it was bad the whole time, but I was actually on the verge of giving this three stars just because I was having a good time until the end. <laughs> Yeah, and then once the end happened, it took away a whole half star because it's like, okay, now none. This was already like barely making sense. Now it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's just a twist on top of a twist to try. It's funny because it's a move to be like, see, this is like smarter than you think, but it does the opposite. You are just like, huh? What? No, it makes it way worse. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now if Nick had or. Rudy, sorry. If Rudy had said to Nick, "What? Why? Why?" <laughs> like you just did. Yeah, that's pretty good. Could you imagine at the end of like Die Hard, if like you know Hans Gruber's like facing off against John McClane, and then Reginald Vell Johnson like walks behind Hans Gruber, and we find out he's been working with Hans Gruber the whole time. He's like, "I've been talking to him on the radio too." Can you imagine how shitty that would be. This is what this this is basically what this does. And Mr. Takagi's there too, and he's like, I was in on it. Yeah, he like gets up, he's not actually dead. Turns out like <laughs> Mr. Takagi just makes out with Everyone Hans. was in on it. Everyone time. was also, in on the, it. Also the guy that sat next to him on the plane was secretly <laughs> in on it the whole time also. I I see I convinced you to take off your shoes so you'd be in on it. Yeah, of the shoes. <laughs> I knew you'd take your shoes off. I mean, I like twists, but it already had a twist with Charlize Theron, and then it had a twist on top of that. And that was too much. I would have been fine if the twist was just that she was playing this guy in this game yeah, for her own benefit. Enough. You know, that she was only a part of this prison program to take advantage of someone. Yeah, it would be nice if her character was interesting in a way instead of... <laughs> I, I guess I should also flame. point out it's not that important, but that we'd find out she was actually like an old flame of Nick's, like from before he was in jail. Her name, her real name's Millie, and they used to like date, or I guess have always been dating, like before. So it's like his girlfriend for yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, great role, great characters. Who's the best character in this movie, or best? Who's the best performance in this movie? If you have to pick one. I guess I, I guess no one really. Maybe Mer- Merlin. I Merlin. I think yeah, Merlin or maybe Charlize. Yeah. I like Gary's look. He looks like Chris Cornell. Yeah, he does. We didn't talk about his look. It's very like alt. It's very like post grunge. It's got long hair and a little thin gold chain. Yeah. The, the late late nineties were tough times for grunge guys. They had to turn to crime. I, I yeah I, I don't know. Did we say before that the the this crew 
Um, the reason they're a crew is because they're all long haul truckers. That yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun, I guess. That's why they had a semi at the end. They, they had I, I feel like this had been made in the early 90s. The Gary Sinise part would have been Gary Oldman. I just feel like. Maybe I'm just thinking of that because he's the oh. bad guy in The Professional. I mean, that'd be a lot better. <laughs> the early 90s. Who would be, I guess, yeah, it can't be Bruce Willis because he did a Christmas action movie. I don't even know why I'm trying to fan cast if this was made like eight years earlier. <laughs> What's the point? I guess, no, it would have been, it, uh, I was going to say Christian Slater, but like now, now I'm just filling it with people from True Romance. No, I think it'd be more like a, your a Keanu Reeves. Oh, that sounds pretty good, actually. Or fucking just give it to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> he loved playing just regular guys. That are in bad oh, that would have been really good, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just me, regular American boy, Ruthie Duncan. <laughs> I just want my hot chocolate and my pecan pie. <laughs> Love it. Really good. Really good. That was really funny. That's a classic right there. Arnold Schwarzenegger's reindeer game. John McTiernan directs. <laughs> Sounds great. Yes. Uh, well, we can use AI to make that AI, movie. AI will create that movie at some point. We'll we'll just put we'll we'll plug in who we want to be in it. <sighs> that sucks. In twenty years, that's it's gonna be that's gonna be totally possible. This movie did definitely make me think about uh, why people hated Ben Affleck so much mm. in the early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, He's not that bad in this movie. He's just... I don't know if he's quite figured out what his thing is as a movie star. And I do feel like maybe there was this uh, notion with Ben Affleck where people thought maybe he didn't deserve to be a movie star because it was kind of like he got famous, I don't know, off of Matt Damon's success. He kind of like piggybacked on it. But... It's also just like looking at his run of movies from like 2000 to 2004. It's just like, I forgot that he was like pretty prolific, but yeah. in, a, in a bad way. <laughs> like, you're just like, wow, he, he, uh, he filmed a lot of mediocre to bad movies in that short time span. And I, yeah, I could totally see why people kind of got sick of him. <laughs> And yet, I'm so fascinated in watching those movies. Like, I'm looking at that period, I'm like, oh, man, Paycheck, Some of All Fears. Ooh, man, those <laughs> both sound like great picks. <laughs> yeah, there is something still a little bit fascinating about, uh, I don't know, this guy who just kind of stumbled into becoming a movie star. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. I guess that's what we still yeah, kind of like yeah. about him. Definitely. I'm sure there's plenty of resentment that this guy became a, famous off of a movie he wrote and put himself in. Yeah. So I get it. I don't know. Maybe it's because we've – I'm not sure where we're at with Ben Affleck right now. I guess everybody kind of likes him again because of all the Dunkin' Donuts memes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Because um, there's definitely periods where I've gone like I've defended him. I haven't defended him. I've gone back and forth myself. But seeing that I'm okay with him now, I look back and I kind of, I kind of like watching these. Like it's not quite working, but he's trying to do something 
movies. Yeah. I find it fat. And, you know, maybe these movies aren't good, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it just a, it's just weird to think, oh, this was a time. This is what, this is one of our leading men of this era. Yeah. Find that interesting. Uh, Reindeer Game, perfect movie, no mistakes. Sean, <laughs> did you find any mistakes? I did find a few. Um, one that I thought was funny that just someone took the time to write out is that in the first scene at the Tomahawk Casino, Nick bumps into a waitress and she drops the drink that she's carrying and you hear a glass-breaking sound effect. Um, and later, when one of the characters discovers there's hasn't been a remodel done to the Tomahawk, uh, he runs and drops his glass and you hear the same glass-breaking sound effect. Um and since there is carpet visible throughout the tomahawk, uh, your your glasses wouldn't actually break when they fall on the carpet. Um, so not only did they reuse the sound effect here, they, uh, they're they using it to convey something happening that wouldn't be happening in this situation. Isn't that interesting? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Somebody put the work so. to put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Those uh, those folks at IMDb that you know that uh, that comment and, and and contribute to these IMDb pages, those are the true heroes. <laughs> but I also there's also some there's also some villains, guys in 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 life. Oh, thank God! Yes, there is a there's. It's not a very good one. I'll be quick about this one. Um, in this segment, I like to call John's Rose Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Guys, we have Gabriel Mercer. I, I, I you know, it's. I guess, oh, I guess, okay. technically, you should have Nick Cassidy, but he doesn't have a page Ooh. on Villains Wiki. Only Gabriel Mercer, Gary Sinise. Full name: Gabriel Mercer, alias Nun. That's a lie. His alias is Monster. <laughs> this is the, this is a bad one. <laughs> It's not based on a book. Yeah, as we've discovered, villains wiki pages are only good when they're based off a a book or a comic or a pre-existing source material. Origin, Reindeer Games, Occupation, Career Criminal, also not true. He's a truck driver. (laughs) They don't establish that he's ever done a crime before. Actually, Ben Affleck even pressures him. Has anyone else here robbed a bank? Raise your hand. No one does. He's not a career criminal. He's a truck driver. He's never done a crime like this. Man, although he takes the murder, man, they're fucking this up. Power skills, brute strength. Oh, because he's able to throw darts into a person. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess that's brute. They should have put like, oh wait, they the next one is marksmanship. Marksmanship. (laughs) Planning and cunning. I would say wrong to both of those. (laughs) These are weird because they're they're not. Okay, so definitely not planning and cutting, but the, those first two, marksmanship and uh, strength, it's really mo- they're not like special skills. They're not like powers, right? It's just like normal human strength. Yeah. Normal human accuracy. I would s- It's really, they're just listing things he did physically. I would just say like intimidation. I mean, it's just as much of a power as some of these other things. 
That I would yeah. say that's Monster's greatest asset is that he can convince Rudy to do stuff uh, by threatening him with violence. Yeah, he's a great deceiver. Hobby committing robberies again. He's never done one before. Well, he's getting into it. It's a it's a late in life. His hobby, hobby should be his hobby should be like hanging out in the pool. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know that is a shame. There, it's like I can't even pick anything else in the movie. There isn't really anything outside of him, aside from the fact that he's having uh, this uh, this this romance with Charlize. And then he want, he's a truck driver. Just one little tidbit. I don't know. He's got he a good spending look. time with his friends. He's got a good look. Maybe they could have had a, a joke where he's like he always combing his hair. That could have been funny. Sure. Stuff like that. I like little Something. sometimes. Yeah, it's it's not much, but that would have been fun for me. Uh, goals: rob a casino. Failed. Well, actually, he did successfully rob the casino. Yeah, he got away. He got away. This is the worst villains wiki I've ever seen. We've been able to argue you know against it's... every single point. But you know what's also occurring to me is this is a movie where every single character in it is a good driver, and there's not an actual car chase. Oh, that's true. We why did they set that we up? Get, we get close when well, not really. I was gonna say when Ben Affleck goes down the snowy hill and Gary Sinise in his car, but like. Charlize just makes the car swerve. They don't like. There isn't any skill in there, so yeah. No. It's just driving. Yeah, a car chase would have been cool in a truck. Yeah, dude, I like a good truck chase. I think Ronan famously has like a cool car chase in it. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Why would they make every character a driver and then not have a car chase? I don't know. I gotta make up for. I gotta pick Ronan. Maybe I should just pick a good car chase movie. Maybe I should pick an Italian job. Isn't Charlize in Grand that? Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta pick another Charlize at some point. Actually, I know what Charlize <laughs> I'm gonna pick, and you guys are gonna hate it. Uh, it probably won't be anytime soon. Um, more on that in the future. Uh, crimes. Can't be. Do you guys want to guess yeah. for crimes? He did. Let's, let's think. Uh, robbery. Yeah. Uh, kidnapping. They didn't have that. Uh, but that's true. Murder. They have that. Okay, I mean, so they got they got uh, theft and murder. But I think you're right, kidnapping could have been on there. Um, I guess that's it. Okay, they got that one close enough. They should have put, um, making Rudy's life a living hell. <laughs> it's always my favorite kind of... <laughs> In, incest incest it could be like in, in, incest like quotations like presumably but then not but then hyphen failed i don't know well yeah i mean <laughs> he, he wouldn't get convicted but he might <laughs> he might get charged with it yeah type of villain You guys want to give a guess? Um, um, incompetent criminal himbo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have said it's two words. Yeah, I stand by my okay, guess. Okay, I think yours is better than what's on here. 
Because I don't agree with it. Again, I think they're wrong. Is this the time that they actually use Mastermind incorrectly? That would have been so funny. No, it's not Mastermind. <laughs> it's definitely not the Mastermind. Yeah, I know. Movie. It's so dumb. <laughs> uh, if, if Nick Cassidy had one. Isn't Nick Cassidy Carnage's real name? What? No, that's like something else Cassidy. Okay, just I had to. It's like Cletus Cassidy or something. Oh, yeah, that sounds right to me. That name sounds so familiar, though, Nick Cassidy. Uh, it just sounds it sounds like a... It just sounds so fucking familiar. <laughs> well, I'll do a quick... quick Google. Okay, you do, you do it, too. I'll see if we can find yeah, Sean, it. you gotta guess. I think, uh... Holiday Heister. <laughs> I, that's really good. No, Sean, he's a homicidal gangster. Gangster? <laughs> gangster? You're, they're calling their group a gang? Yeah. <laughs> Got their own little mafia. So I googled um, Nick Cassidy movie. Yeah. And I got the movie Man on a Ledge, where Sam Worthington plays a character named Nick Cassidy. Man on a Ledge. Oh. Future pick. Mm. It's a robbery movie where Sam Worthington is a man on a ledge while a robbery is happening. I think maybe he's like, like related. I, well, I think maybe he. I was, trying to try, I was watching the trailer, but I was watching it with the sound off. I, it sounds like he's trying to coordinate the robbery while he's on the ledge. Like the ledge is a distraction. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like gotcha. he's making it look like he's going to commit suicide, but he's actually telling like Jamie Bell or whoever it is. I don't even know who it is. Like you got to go here, then go there. Man on a ledge. Man on a ledge. So uh, Sam Worthington, huh? Yeah. Jake Sully himself, huh? Jake Sully. That's right. That uh, that makes me wonder, guys. How would you feel if uh, we didn't let Colin get his pick and we just did uh, Avatar two next week? Wow. Golden Globe nominee Avatar two. Did you see that? Best picture, best director. I'm excited, man. Yeah. I feel like though, if we're gonna do Avatar, we have to make the podcast as long as the movie <laughs> fuck Other, otherwise why Seems even do it really hard <laughs> you don't think we can do it i bet we could i bet we could do it oh, for we could. just might not be very listenable <laughs> i don't uh, i, I don't want to do that please don't no. okay okay we won't, we won't. unless yeah, let's do, it. do we get a billion dollars if we do it a billion dollars wow that's pretty tempting we could probably do it for a billion dollars i'd do it for a billion dollars Okay, well we'll see. We'll see if we can get get that money. <laughs> I, guess, I don't. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what we're gonna do. I think we're gonna. I guess we, we we're closing out this uh, December with that. It sounds like it. I just think that's with yeah, the holidays, so. and we're gonna be doing our top ten list on mildlypleased.com in January. So that'll take up a lot of time. Yeah, okay. so we got to catch up with all the albums and TV shows and movies. So we're busy. And I'll probably come back in usually February. I feel like there's something I really wanted to pick in February. So hopefully we can come back in February. But yeah, I think Avatar would be a great way to close it out. Go out with a bang, man. Um, and if you want to check that out, if you want to check out past episodes, just go to mildlypleased.com or, you know, search Mildly Please wherever you listen to podcasts. 
you know, just sit down and listen to it with some hot chocolate and a slice of pecan pie.